0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry and my voice is back as well. <laughs> I'm here with Danny Hatch, my co-host, and I've got Mark Larocco along for the ride as well because we've got some good stuff to discuss. Uh some some exciting things happening. We're starting to head into the uh I don't know, like the uh the meat of the of the 2022 releases. It's been picking up speed for a little while and I'm kind of excited to talk about what we got to talk about today.
1: Yeah, no, there's. How about you guys? There's a lot of fun stuff.
0: Are you? Are you? Do you guys care about what we're going to talk about today? Or yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a wealth of information. I
1: am super interested. A yes. wealth. Yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely ended on a cliffhanger last time because you said, um, uh, you know, after trashing all these other movies, you were. Oh, that's right. Yes. Like there was actually yes. something I liked, and so I've just been, I've been waiting so long. Yeah. To hear. Yeah.
0: No, and and I I can report that I still like it, even what a week, two weeks later. So uh, we'll 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 get to that in a moment. But uh, we have we have some news first, right, Danny?
1: Yeah. So um, no, oh, it's it's interesting, and um, you brought this up, Josh, that we should cover it. But it's kind of funny because it's a trend happening, um, kind of more widespread, um, but basically a big story that's um, been circulating around this week is that Netflix has just been plummeting um, with their stocks, uh, losing subscribers, and um, yeah, this is a trend that we've been seeing all year long, and um, I didn't know how bad it was until I saw those articles this week. Um, what I'd been following was last week the same thing was happening to Disney, and um, so it's just kind of... I don't know. It, it's it's very, very interesting to watch and um, I've been trying to like look around, do some sleuthing to figure out what is going on here. And um, I I have... The, the things that they're kind of pointing out is um, obviously there's a lot of competition now because there are just so many stream- streaming services. And um, unfortunately, Netflix has a lot of things going against it where like with all this competition, Um, they're, you know, losing a lot of content because these owners of the content, they're like, Hey, no, we want that on our new platform. Right.
0: Um,
1: and then, um, another thing that really hurts them is that their streaming platform is their only source of revenue. So while all these other streaming platforms, like they're having a hard time too, but they're still like. TV stations or big companies, right? Ah, right. So, um, so Netflix is definitely suffering the most.
0: Well, and and the the numbers are like so. It they were two hundred thousand subscribers down, mm-hmm. and then I think was it was it twenty five percent down on their stocks this week. Is that what the number was? Um,
1: I, I'm not sure what it was this week, but I think it was like forty overall. Yeah, yeah like no, it's it's, it's, it's insane. been yeah. rough.
0: Yeah, and so no, but I think and I. I really like that point you make because, you know, ever since I saw it, I've been kind of speculating at oh, all. So what's what's right. the cause? Because I, I know that. You know, one of one of the more newsworthy things has been that they have been, announcing that oh well we're going to start cracking down on all of these shared accounts. Yeah. Right, yeah. you're not going to be able to get away with just like. Taking mom and dad's password and letting them pay for your Netflix anymore, right? Stop and so, stop looking at me
1: like that, Josh. So, <laughs> i <I'm, laughs> I only have so well, much I, money but, in the bank.
0: Right, but I, but I, but I don't think that like 200,000 people would cancel their subscriptions out of spite because right. Netflix was going to start cracking down, right? And so, I think it probably has more to do with what you're describing. And well, and there's a and lot I, too. I there's a lot
1: more definitely that I'd I like to touch on. But yeah, sorry.
0: Well, but no, I just I. I I want to echo that point because the the point that you made about because I I hadn't considered that in that Netflix is associated with Netflix, whereas, you know, Apple Plus is associated with Apple Mm -hmm. computers and Disney Plus is associated with the Disney empire. And so these other streaming services, they have they can afford to, you know, take a little more of a hit and, and take some risks where Netflix can't. And that 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 I think is a really interesting point.
2: That's a good point, and they've got other things too. Yeah, like uh, Amazon Prime. You know, has Amazon Amazon delivery apps on subscription, and uh, so there's other thing, a lot of other things that they do.
1: I think every single one. I can't think of another streaming service like that where it's just a streaming service.
0: At least um, one that big, I, mean, I guess. Hulu. Oh, that's true. Well,
1: that's so. True. Well, so,
0: because Hulu is bundled mm-hmm. with ESPN and Disney, mm-hmm. right? Right, cuz of their but their, they were on their are own they for a while. still
1: so, I mean I mean that's fair.
0: Is that what they are? Yeah, um, I think they're, they're all affiliated. Now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, cuz I think I think that's cuz I was trying to think if there is anybody else that's just kind of on their own. <laughs> on their own. I mean, most mostly it seems like you know, Paramount or, you know, HBO or somebody just decides, well, let's do it too. Let's, let's, let's launch our own streaming service. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I think, I think that Netflix is probably more vulnerable yeah. in that degree and and maybe, I don't know. I mean, when, whenever we start talking about streaming services, I keep, I keep feeling like there's this, there's this weird dynamic happening that I haven't quite wrapped my head around yet in that I don't know if I would say that it it feels like we're reinventing the wheel, but you know the whole the whole reason that people got sick of cable was that, oh well, you know, I'm sick of paying a lot of money for two hundred channels when I only watch three mm-hmm. right, and so i remember I remember thinking years ago like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could just kind of pick and choose what stations we got and so instead of having to pay for a hundred, we could just pay like five bucks a month for three or, the three or four, mm-hmm. and so pay $20 a month for the cable I'd actually want versus, you know, $150 for all this unnecessary stuff. and And so all these streaming services kind of feel like they have the, you know, the elective, choose whatever you want, but because none of them have enough, <laughs> it feels like we're just kind of going down the same road where, okay, well, now if I you know, there are a dozen different streaming services and there are like 18 different shows that I want to see or, or movies. And so now I'm still stuck getting all of them because there's no one or two that cover most of what I want to see. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that how you guys kind of experienced this?
2: I actually, I wonder what the next big thing is, because I remember, I remember when we cut the cord, I remember that it was a big deal. Our cable had gotten up to, I don't know back then but it was like $60 or $55 and it start you know we got Netflix and it was very soon after that that we got Hulu then we got Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and 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 you know it adds up but it was like still like we were like <laughs> hey we're only spending you know $31 or whatever you know $25 and yeah. I ended up getting Sling TV yeah. which was 25 in and of itself but it had a lot of cable channels with like NBA and some movie channels and HGTV and things yeah. and so there was like you know we justified it cuz it's like well even Sling TV alone is still cheaper than cable but then when you add up everything that you've got and now we're paying for Apple TV we had it free for a while now we're paying i mean it's we're we're talking like 60 70 dollars again for everything
1: yep. yeah yeah for all the
2: services right. And so you're right i there's a few that i almost never watch i feel like maybe a couple times a month um so Mm. And, but then you don't think you're like, well, what if there's something on there I want to see? I don't want to cancel it. It's only ten dollars exactly. or something, you know. Or how they like yeah.
1: trade around too, because you know there'll be companies uh-huh. like, oh, now we have the office. No, now we have the office. I feel like that's one that's been passed around a lot, right? Yeah. And so you know, if you're wanting to, if you're choosing the show, you're choosing, you know, whatever um, you're wanting to watch, um, you kind of have to follow it through these Mm -hmm. different services. So, Mm -hmm. no, that's, well, and I think it's funny too that it's gone up so much in cost to try to like get all of these because the main reason that I saw that this is happening um, is because of like um, inflation and a lot of other economic Mm -hmm. uh, factors where, you know, we're realizing like, you know, am I going to pay for gas or am I going to pay for Netflix, you know? And so, you know, people yeah. are having to make these decisions where you know it's like these aren't super necessary. Plus, they there are just so many now where you're kind of having to pick and choose your favorites. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I mean, I would I would assume that if the content was superior. It would be very easy to justify because what is it about fourteen dollars a month now, fifteen dollars for Netflix? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, I, I don't um, know. I don't pay for
0: it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, they're <laughs> you are going to have to edit that no, out. No, okay, no, you no, you so don't want to admit that to the world. The Netflix, I think police are Netflix get you. is coming <laughs> for yeah. you. No, know,
1: with what you were saying though, with them cracking down, like I think that's more just a side effect of this, where like they're needing to make as yeah. much money as possible. I I know they have been trying out different things, or they're going to be trying out a couple of things where mm-hmm. um you can just pay a couple extra bucks to have it like att- have your account attached to another household um they're going to yeah. it looks like they're going to come out with um a cheaper subscription plan that's with ads so um they're definitely trying 100%. to make it right, affordable right. but it's like you know they they can't afford to just let people take their family members passwords anymore you know so and yeah. honestly
0: well, I and, and people people are people are tired of waiting for stranger things <laughs> season four they just need to get off off the July, right you know well, that, get it done that's a couple get it out there
1: I'll, I'll say this real quick out of all of them i would pay for netflix though and this is the thing that i'm realizing with this story and i'm i'm really nervous for them and i really Wait, so
0: you're not paying for any of them i'm kidding
1: i'm not <laughs> i'm honestly i'm not um and, because like they're these family accounts right and it's like why bother um, and so, but Netflix, I would want to pay for it Cause like, you know, they're definitely getting hit the most. Um, but they're also kind of this underdog in the industry. And like, I've really, really enjoyed the content that they've created much more than any of the other streaming services. I think like, um, like
0: the, the original content.
1: Yeah. Their original content or, um, yeah. the ones that they've been able to give, Platform 2, so like Tick, Tick, Boom, went through kind of a bit of a production hell, sort of. And um, Netflix was the one that picked them up. And so they do a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Um, Little Prince is one of my favorite movies of all time, and they did the same thing there. Um, Mitchell's vs. the Machines, um, I think that was Netflix, right? Totally, I think, mm. snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah. Because I, I think if they that movie had been released closer to the time um, Encanto was, like I think we would remember like, Man, that was a good movie, you know. So just stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and I know they have their trash teen movies, but they know that, and like, it's <laughs> it's smart because people watch those. I think that's a main reason why people keep their Netflix accounts. So you know, it's yeah. just I, I I like their content a lot, and um, mm-hmm.
0: oh, yeah, you know, no, that's that that's my I mean, just kind of coming back to my previous point is that I I have a handful of things that I absolutely love. A Netflix, I love. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things, I love Cobra Kai. I I like. There's this. I'm I'm, Rust Valley Restores. I think is what it's called. It's about these, these Canadian car custom car makers. You know, it's this. You know, there's there's just lots of fun stuff. But then there's also like two or three things I like on Hulu, and then there's like two things that I like on Amazon Prime. And so it's that's that's the problem for me. Um, It's and I just I wish that I could come up with a solution for it. Like, is there, have a solution. is there a way that we could, I mean, cause the, I guess the bundling is, True. is one idea, yeah. right. But, and I don't know, maybe I'm still just kind of bitter about the, the local Comcast bundling where, you know, I've got my internet and my cable all together and it has to be bundled. And rather than my, my price getting better with my long-term loyalty, they just keep raising the price. And so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still searching for a solution and and coming up. Empty. This
1: is why Empty. this is why yeah. you purchase your favorite things. <laughs> like I have an insane DVD collection. Um
0: Yeah, no, and I still yeah. do. I still like my favorites and I'm that's that's why I am still kind of cringing and gripping and hoping that they're going to put Coda out on Blu-ray somehow Ooh. because oh, yeah. you know, I'm not going to buy an Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus or whatever it is, just so that I can watch one movie every couple months or every few months or yeah. something. So, Have you not seen Coda yeah. yet? Anyway.
1: I haven't still because I don't have Apple Plus. Or at least let me rephrase that. My parents don't have Apple Plus.
2: <laughs> I wonder if I could send you guys my <laughs> password and username because I think
0: you should watch it.
1: Yeah. Well, it was Josh's favorite because Josh did see is it. Is Apple like, listening?
0: <laughs> it's Apple. Um, well... I am. I am recording on a Apple laptop. So yeah, so here, I that's guess, the thing. Apple's yeah, always
1: I, here's, listening.
2: <laughs> here's what I think about the Netflix thing. Um, first of all, and this is well, this is more of a question. I know that Netflix, after Ukraine was attacked by Russia, Netflix canceled the a lot the Russian subscriptions, like subscribers in Russia. And so right, I don't know yeah, if that factors in those first quarter numbers they just released. But if it does, that's a lot. That's got to be hundreds of thousands yeah. of accounts. Well, I don't know well, how Well, and many, internationally, no, that's like, oh my goodness, they
1: have such a huge market outside of the U.S. because they do right. so many, like, regional kind right. of things, too, so, no, yeah. I, I bet yeah. that when, has a, that's playing a part.
2: And when you look at Netflix, too, so originality uh, wasn't the original draw of Netflix. It was just movies, no. right? It was just being able to get a lot of movies without right. having to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, which don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. They do not Neither one, but like at the time, they did when Netflix very first started. Um, but it became a way of like getting things just all at once without having to go to a place. Then they started doing original content, like they gave a lot of money to uh, David Fincher to do House of Cards. Um, that feels like forever ago. But they started doing these series <laughs> right. that became critically acclaimed, and people would watch them, and that was one of the reasons I think people would sign up, since just like with Coda on Apple TV. It was like the only place you could get certain series. And so I've, I've yeah. enjoyed a lot of original series like Stranger Things and The Crown on Netflix, although it does feel like it takes sometimes takes too long for, for them to produce other seasons. Like, you know, <laughs> season four of Stranger Things does feel like it's been just too long. It's too long of a wait. Um, and well, I, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or what.
0: No, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. no, it's it may it's, be. A, it's a unique circumstance. Yeah. But no, but I think, but I think you have a point, Mark, in that the same thing that gives the creators more flexibility in terms of like how long each episode is, and they don't have the same kind of constraints, and they can release everything at once, also can kind of backfire when it's like, oh well, we don't have to have a, we don't have to worry about having a new season ready every fall. Mm-hmm. We can just get it done when it's done. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, there's, there's definitely a pro con relationship it is. to, to doing a streaming series instead of a traditional network series, which right. I'm trying to think if I even want, I, I, are there any, maybe this is just kind of a side related question. Are either of you currently keeping up with a traditional network series? Like any at all, mm-hmm. like any NBC, CBS, ABC, are there any, traditional format you know
1: not at all and i think that for me that's why it's been funny that you guys say that it feels like it takes so long for netflix to come out with a new season i feel like the new seasons jump at me or it's just like all of a sudden it's like oh already because like i don't follow shows like that i never have you know i because i I grew up with these streaming services you know and so Mm -hmm. i i don't know i feel more like surprised when a new season comes out instead of like the whole Hey, it's fall. I should be getting a new season now, and I mean Stranger I, Things season yeah. one, totally. But like, I kind of understood that. I think the the problem is mm-hmm.
2: I probably don't have enough shows that I'm watching right now. If I had, if you, if there were a lot of shows to watch, <laughs> and there was always like, hey, there's this one this month and this one this next month, but it's just a few really that I'm kind of following. Um, like for example, Better Call yeah. Saul is one. They finally put season okay five, I think, on Netflix, and we I just finished it last night. But it, I, I don't think I had watched, I mean, I think it had been a year or more since I'd seen season four. Um, and they just put yeah. season five. So, you know, that one that one took a while. But the original content, it, it's got to be the way to go for them. Like, I really think good, not just original content, good original content, right, that people want to watch. That's got to be the way oh, to yeah. keep subscribers. and. And, I, and so what they've done is, you know, and they also did certain things where they were smart. They would do comedy acts. They'd pay comedians a bunch of money to do these comedy hours where the only way you could see it, some right. of the world's biggest comedians, the only way you could see it was on mm-hmm. Netflix. But now you can see a lot of that stuff on Facebook and little reels on Instagram. I mean, there's other ways to see things that are clearly free, maybe not the full thing, you know, on, uh, on those other platforms. But that was a, that was a big draw. The other thing that Netflix did is they actually started giving money to big-time directors like Mm -hmm. um, Martin Scorsese to to do, you know, Irishman. He got something like $150 to do this three-hour movie that has de-aging technology that didn't work as well as I had hoped, you know. (laughs) I mean, it was still good, but, like, it, it still was just, I kept thinking about them, like, Huh, I guess that's supposed to be De Niro, like thirty-five years ago. Okay, all right. You know, um, but like, it's, it's still yeah, still a little bit distracting. And I'm like, he spent a lot. They spent a lot of money on this, and they really were, were doing a big Oscar campaign. And they got into it about four years ago with Roma, where they were pushing it every year, trying to get Best Picture, yeah. and never could. They get Best Director twice um, with Roma and Power of the Dog, but then they they did like Marriage Story, uh, the Two Popes. Um, like you said, tick tick boom. The only way you could see that basically is on Netflix. There's there's a lot of good stuff on there. Movies I look forward to every year. That that's the only way I could see them is on Netflix.
0: Well, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this recent setback is an aberration. If it's like kind of like Danny, like you say, if it's if this is just caused because of inflation and this is not a permanent thing. Or, or if this is kind of the turn of the tide with streaming services somehow, you know, because I would, I would like to think that it's going to lead to something that will ultimately benefit the consumer, right? Yeah, because yeah. when, when they think of when, you know, that's that's kind of the way innovation typically, you know, will work. Um, but uh, I don't know. This this might be, it might be interesting to revisit this subject in six months or oh, a year sure, yeah. and and see if. You know, this was yeah the beginning of something good, or the beginning of the end, That's or maybe so. To
1: all our, our listeners out there, make sure you subscribe and stay subscribed, <laughs> so Mash then that you can subscribe see us revisit this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I love how you said um, that innovation comment because like something I'm noticing from this conversation, and it's making me feel a lot more optimistic about the situation, is that every step of the way Netflix has been the game changer here, right? So, they were the game changer first with Blockbuster, and um, they were were making their own original content once, you know, there were other streaming services just showing things. And so, I I just think, like, you know, maybe they're going to have something new. I don't know what. I'm thinking definitely higher quality original content. I could see that. Um, But I wonder Mm -hmm. if they're going to start doing something new to make all the other streaming services catch up as they always have been. So... We'll
2: see. Yeah. I, we'll see, yeah. yeah. So one Mark, one more thing. Mark, your, your final thought. Final thought. This, and I thought this was kind of funny. And I like <laughs> Spielberg a lot. He's been kind of my all-time favorite, especially childhood yeah. uh, director. But about when Roma came out, he criticized Roma for being eligible for, for the Oscars because it was a Netflix movie. Yeah. So this is one yeah. kind of like the first big streaming moment with the Oscars was was Roma and it was Alfonso Cuarón which is a well-known director he won an Oscar for gravity he did end up winning for roma yeah, right. um, and he but Spielberg didn't like that he was a traditionalist like Coppola, Scorsese yep. and some of the, these older guys well he just signed a multi-term multi uh, movie term deal <laughs> with Netflix so this is Spielberg oh, getting he, with, dragged with in Yay. by the great behemoth uh, one of the streaming uh, behemoths of Netflix and so
0: we all We all succumb. So so
2: Netflix Netflix is
0: the Borg. It's the Borg. Resist resistance is futile, (laughs) Mister Spielberg. (laughs) So that's
1: interesting. So what if you know Netflix is like the new theater showcase where we you know see the next great thing by our favorite directors, right? And all the other streaming services are just picking up all the scraps of like TV shows from the '90s and early 2000s.
0: I don't know. Well, uh, you guys, you guys know what else is inevitable. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. He always, up, though, he
1: always pops up. though, Nicholas always pops up. Cage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, uh that uh that that semi-awkward segue <laughs> is leading into is, our next our next phase. Which is super fitting for him. I mean,
1: come on, that that's actually kind of perfect.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and I'm admittedly I'm in a I'm in a good mood because right before you know, over dinner tonight, before I got ready to you know do our our recording, I watched about the first half of Con Air, mm. and uh, so I'm I'm in a Nicolas Cage <laughs> zone right now. Well, why
1: is that, no, uh, Josh? Why are you why are you in So it okay,
0: in well, the- so oh, so many reasons. <laughs> um, most most uh, uh, in 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 newsworthy terms. Uh, Mr. Cage has a unique new movie out uh, which is coming out I believe this weekend mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was already it already debuted at was it the Southwest Film Festival a little while back um, so it's it's kind of been making the rounds but I think it's going to get its wide release here pretty soon yeah IMDB is telling me the 22nd mm-hmm. and uh this movie uh which we've actually kind of previewed before uh Danny I remember you you mentioned specifically that you were looking forward to oh, this yeah. one the unbearable weight of massive talent and uh which is well I mean it for sure it's one of the best movies I've seen so far this year um which compared to what I've seen this year isn't much of a compliment but is meant to be a compliment this is this is a fun <laughs> movie um a very, very unique uh kind of premise that I think uh you know, as we were warming up, I think Danny, I don't think you said this on the air yet, but like you made the point that this is the kind of movie that only he could really do. Um the idea is so so Nicolas Cage is playing himself, and so it's kind of set in the quote unquote real world where the actor Nicholas Cage uh winds up getting involved in this Kind of, uh, it's not a not a caper, but it's it's kind of a CIA thriller type situation where uh, you know he is he is himself. He's kind of on the outs. He's having financial issues. And he's having trouble getting getting the roles he'd like to play. He's got some family issues. He's you know he's got uh, uh, either an ex-wife or a separated soon-to-be ex-wife and a daughter that he's struggling to kind of connect with and. Uh, desperate to take, desperate, desperate to find, you know, financial opportunity, he accepts an invitation from this wealthy uh, European named uh, Javi, paid, played by Pedro Pascal from uh, The Mandalorian, uh, which I know, Danny, is going to be very, very, you know, thrilling for you. Um, and he, uh, Javi, wants Nicolas Cage to come and appear like at his birthday party. He's like this super wealthy guy. And so so Nick is like, okay, fine, I'll I'll do this. And in the process, uh Cage gets contacted by the CIA who tells them who tells him that Javi is actually like connected to this like this international crime syndicate or something or other. And so so the actor Nicholas Cage has to suddenly perform, you know, and and pretend to be a real life spy and high jinks in <laughs> So, um really fun movie. Uh Tiffany Haddish is also in there. Um Sharon Horgan plays his like I can't remember like I said I can't remember if it's his ex-wife or if they're just separated. Um but uh I mean it's really this is this is really just kind of a opportunity for Nicolas Cage to do this zany meta mm-hmm. performance and and there's this, there's this recurring bit where a, he keeps uh, envisioning a younger version of himself as he looked in uh, when he was at, uh, it was it Wild at Heart, I think. Um, and so he's always kind of like having these inner conversations with his past self about his career and what he used to be and what he should be doing and and uh so it's it's a lot of fun. Mm. And it's and it's crazy. It's it's very much a a comedy and you know, uh kinda of, kind of an action comedy meta type thing. Um it's also I don't know, well I mean, what, what else have you guys heard about this thing? Well, I I mean what I've you, just seen the what, previous, what can I tell you?
2: I, I've read that it's uh it is the critics are loving it. I mean I've I've read that mm-hmm. it's you know, it's it is yeah. supposed to be really funny and it's doing well and I I hope it has mm-hmm. a lot of references to his movies. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, but it looks it looks hilarious. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah so no, funny. it's it's really it's really good. Yeah. No, and 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 Danny, I think you know you you mentioned that you're looking forward to it, and I think I think it'll be satisfactory Wonderful. to you. You know, I think I think you're.
1: Yeah. No, I, I just <laughs> I
0: think what you're anticipating will pay there
1: off. There isn't. I just I, like. Oh my goodness. I I loved that. Trailer, just seeing the whole premise of it, and this is why I think like he is the only person who could play this role. Like he's right. the only person who could exist in a movie like this, right? Like, um, and the whole premise. It,
0: it works. It works because it's yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. It works because it it's work, him. It really does. What about being yeah. John Malkovich though? Oh. well, and see that because no, because it it made it made me think of that. Yeah. It made me think about the idea that because in a way you want to compare it to that because it's it also plays off this whole concept of an actor in real life, you know, but, but where that one is very surreal yeah. and very just kind of heady and Supernatural this, this is a dark. much more right. No, this, this one is much more, it's more traditional and accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like audiences aren't going to have to wrap their heads around what's going on. It's pretty obvious. It's just like, Nicholas Cage is himself, yeah. and he just finds himself in this crazy situation yeah. um, it did it did occur to me and and I don't know this this might be something that that a lot of you know fans and audiences won't care about and maybe it's just kind of one of these things that we think about as you know film critics and journalists and stuff but it did strike me that this movie has a lot of kind of Insider joke humor where, like, you know, you know how the Oscars and 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 Hollywood awards in general are very fond of rewarding movies about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a movie that's about making a movie, they'll love that because it celebrates what they do. Yeah, exactly. This movie, yeah, this movie very much has that that dynamic where there's a lot of jokes about, you know... Well, how am I going to get this role? What am I going to do with my career? And so, and so, you know, just one of the one of the kind of the subplots is that, uh, you know, Cage and and his host, they decide that they want to make a movie together, and so they're brainstorming and they're trying to come up with ideas, and and they they get really kind of heady into the whole like, you know, deep in the the story and the screenplay concepts and stuff, and it's, so, it's the kind of thing that you'll appreciate a lot more if. You have kind of an understanding of what goes into movies, and maybe have had some of that experience. But I could also see some people who are kind of fed up with, you know, Hollywood, just kind of rolling their eyes and saying, "Oh, this is another navel gazing thing where they're just so focused on what they do and they think that it's so great." And 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 so, got I don't know though. I I mean, if if you feel that cynical about it, you might just hate the movie anyway. Mm-hmm. But but I could see that as something that one part of the audience would really like and another part of the audience would actually just hate. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm yeah. wondering
1: with that, I have a question. Um, if Because, yeah. you know, it's kind of that insider idea. Um, does a lot of the plot also revolve around knowing Nick Cage very well? Because I'm wondering if that could be, while that's a great poll, like, you know, a lot of fans are wanting to come and see this, right? Um, yeah. For people who aren't familiar with him or are kind of turned off by him or something like would this not be a good movie because you kind of have to be more of a diehard fan like what level of well
0: fan yeah so i be? so i have two answers because there's two parts to your question yeah. right um first of all if if you're not super familiar with nicolas cage um you're not going to miss a ton because they don't have like a constant overabundance of references to. It. I mean there's there's a generous number of references and some really great jokes that you will miss if you aren't familiar with his stuff. Um, but you also said if they're not really crazy about Nick Cage, <laughs> and if you already kind of don't like his work or his style, then I would definitely avoid this movie because it it plays off the idea that he's kind of this this crazy, eccentric actor. Mm-hmm and and so but here again i mean i i honestly can't see how anybody who hates nicolas cage would
1: yeah <laughs> even
0: consider watching this movie um That's true. but uh but i think even if you weren't super familiar with him it's still easy enough to follow what's going on and and the jokes that you miss wouldn't the, the humor is not just dependent on knowing Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty...
1: Like the story you know, it's, still there, stands There's a very on its own.
0: diversified base. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. right. No, they could... I mean, you could very easily have made this movie with just some fictional actor mm-hmm. who was an actor thrust into the, you know, a real-life role of having to pretend that he's, you know, you know working for the CIA or whatever. Um, but it makes it that much more fun to actually have somebody who is an actor and who's somebody who is Nicolas Cage do this. And and I think that's what kind of puts this over the top.
2: Maybe it reminds me more of JCBD. Have you ever heard of that movie? It's Jean Claude Van Damme playing um, himself. Um,
0: okay, no. Yeah. No.
2: And also when you were describing that a minute ago, I just thought of the three amigos too.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> I mean they're not real actors, yeah, and so, but they're like, you know, they they don't they don't know they're in a yeah you know you know how the that goes but
0: yeah yeah no it's i mean it's it's very much uh a celebration of who he is and what he's done over the years um but not but that's not the priority mm-hmm. like that that is something that enhances the movie, it's not the point of the movie yeah and so so instead, I think it's actually up to us to celebrate his many movies and his, his great achievements, which is, you know, the objective of the (laughs) second half of our, of our episode. And how's that for a I
1: love that. Well, to kick Um, that off, I just, because my my big thing with this, and this is why I was super interested in this film, is because what hooked me immediately was that premise of how the reason he got wrapped up in all this is because of money issues and he's taken up this gig right and it's just like isn't that yeah. the nick cage story It's like why on earth is he in this movie it's like because he needed the money right like he is just yeah. me yeah. of that right so um right. i just i find that right. something so fascinating about his career and that's why i say like i feel like he's the only person that could pull this off because of that mm. premise it's like i, I honestly thought point. for a second this could be a documentary because i'm like
2: well, that sounds like <laughs> something
1: he would do you know? It does.
2: And and it's not no, just the It's not just the do anything for a paycheck, Nick Cage, but he's also doing it to please a fan, right? Like yeah, he's going to a yeah. party for a big big yeah. fan who's very right, wealthy. Right. So it's like, yeah, he that does seem like Nick Cage, you know, like there's stories of his generosity in addition yeah. to his extremely like extravagant, lavish spending habits that got him into bankruptcy. But so he's had those <laughs> bo- both sides of him. You know, like like very generous yeah. Yeah. but also Spending money very poorly, um, so. <laughs> well, and that's
0: yeah. that's one of the more fascinating dynamics I've noticed, where where somebody either plays themselves, like in this movie, or plays a character that is clearly supposed to be mm. that person. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about Chevy Chase in Community, mm-hmm. where he's he's not playing Chevy Chase, but he's effectively playing a character that's supposed to represent Chevy Chase and it's not complimentary. And there's, so there's kind of this added, you know, kind of subtext level where you're just thinking, what's going on in his head right now? Like, is, is that gotta be just, you know, is it, is it tearing him up? Is he just not really thinking about it? Is it just, you know, nuts to it? I've just got to do this, grind through this and get the money. Um, because, because with community specifically, you know, I, I really don't know how how Chevy Chase ever, you know, would have signed on to that. Really thinking, oh well, this this part is kind of making fun of me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And and maybe maybe that's part of what led to you know all the all, all the, the friction attention. and stuff on set. Yeah. yeah, I mean, with 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 this movie, it's 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 not it's not really making fun of Nicolas Cage in a way that I think he would be uncomfortable with i think oh he, yeah well he otherwise he enjoying would do the it. ride and in on the joke yeah, yeah. right yeah right. 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 yeah but, that, I, but that's what i mean is i wouldn't have thought i wouldn't have thought that chevy chase would do what he did mm-hmm. yeah and, that's and probably so, true that's a good point. And that, that's kind that's of my right. idea it's but anyway well, i mean it's funny you mentioned um, community
2: because there's a there's a Nicolas cage episode of community remember <laughs> that when abed
0: oh my gosh i'm trying to remember so, that.
2: so there's abed uh, does like a report in a classroom presentation on Nicolas Cage, and it's really funny because he ends up doing this really cool impression of him, and tries to decide <laughs> if he's a bad actor in good movies or a good actor in bad movies. And the whole thing is this dichotomy of Abed trying to figure out exactly what the heck is Nicolas Cage, and and he, you know, how he obsesses. He has this obsessive personality, right? And and so he does that you know, about Nick Cage in this episode, you, we, you should find it and watch it. It's pretty good.
0: Okay. Well, no, I'm sure I've seen it I probably yeah. because the first one I think about is when he did kind of the same thing with who's the boss. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. Was, Cause that was that, that TV show, like the entire, the entire class right. was about the TV show. Who's the boss. And it was like the, the crowning, you know, obsession of the professor and Abed just destroys it <laughs> yeah. and, and ruins his whole ruins his passion. But uh, anyway, yeah. no, I, uh, so, so in honor of, you know, the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, I thought it might be fun to, to take a moment and share some of our favorite Nicolas Cage movies, maybe try to, uh, do a little analysis on, on the career, on the man, on the myth. Legend. And, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can, you know, as, as, as usually is kind of a positive thing, maybe we can kind of recommend some things to each other we hadn't thought about and, uh, you know, if nothing else, just have a good time talking about uh mr Cage so so now, so Danny, you mentioned that there was there was something specific that you wanted to kind of bring up, and uh hopefully this is it, you think you think it'd be a good thing to lead off with
1: um maybe maybe, maybe. I think it's a good disclaimer because I feel always like every single one of these episodes, I'm just always receiving um recommendations from you guys cuz i'm just so woefully unprepared um <laughs> and, and like to be fair this guy's IMDb page IMDb page is so so full for a guy who's not 90 years yeah. old and so i just
0: yeah
1: so my experience with Nick Cage is strictly like PG i've noticed <laughs> like all okay. all the movies i've seen sure. um um but it was kind of funny looking at some of them, cause like a lot of them, um, I really like him as a voice actor. Like I just, I love oh, okay. it when he yeah. pops up and stuff that, like, um, into the Spider Verse. Like his.
0: That was that's what I was Right, of, yeah.
1: like his new art. It's just like, oh, it just, it's like any time Jeff Goldblum suddenly pops up in a movie or an ad or something, it just makes <laughs> me so happy, cause like yeah. that voice and just the mannerisms and everything. I'm just, oh, I love it. Um, and uh, one of my this is probably my favorite performance of his. I think it's super underrated. Is um, Astro Boy. He plays the dad in that. Have you guys seen that movie?
0: No. Okay,
1: yeah. So I think it's kind of like a lesser known um, animated cartoon. But it's kind of... I think it was adapted from like some kind of comic or something. And it's a really, really sweet story. Uh, surprisingly sad. About um, this scientist who um, has this genius son, and, um, he loses him in an unfortunate accident, and, um, he becomes obsessed with creating this robot version of his son, and, um, Nick Nick Cage plays this father, and he has to go through this arc of, um, kind of not being there as a father, and then grieving over the loss, and then trying to... Cope with that trying to I don't know become a good dad. Like it's just it's very, very interesting and it it kinda makes me tear up. It's very, very sweet. So I I I just I really like him in that one.
0: Sure. Well I mean it's it's animated, right? So
1: And it's <laughs> This is why I couldn't start with this. This is this was my hesitation. No. Right there. No! Okay. Well if you want something not animated, but PG <laughs> Um, I love... I want
0: you to share your favorite Nicolas Cage stuff, whether it's animated or not.
1: <laughs> well, and and this might be my favorite all time performance of his is um, in Sorcerer's Apprentice. He kills me. I think he just because like I, I feel this the same way about Nick Cage as I do with Jim Carrey, where I like it when they kind of reel it back a little bit because they can they can go all out and everything. Yeah. But when but like in Sorcerer's Apprentice, you know he's this you know, guy with all these magical powers, but he's set up against this, like, really awkward kid, and-, and he's the normal one, but he has these powers up against this, like, awkward kid with no powers, and there's just this interesting dynamic between the two of them, and he just yeah. he nails his lines in that one. He's so funny. Um, so, yeah. And he's not animated, so there.
0: <laughs> no, hey, I'll... I... You know, I already mentioned I like this, but I completely echo your endorsement for his work in uh, Spider Verse. That was oh, right, such a good movie, such a good movie. Yeah, very much. He, so. he, he has um, a very
1: good voice, and so I, I think that's why I have to give the shout out to the animation stuff. And yeah. he's been in a lot. Like I'm looking through, and I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm surprised no, there's a lot more than I thought.
0: It would take it would take a very long time to make your way. Marathon style through through Nicholas Cage's. I, I I don't think you would want to just because, like Bruce Willis, he seems to turn it in a lot of movies that just suddenly pop up on streaming services or. <laughs> True. And kind of oh I don't remember ever hearing about that coming out and that's not a good thing usually yeah. you know and so so there's definitely a lot of filler Nicolas Cage um, and, and, and I think that's one of the things that makes him so interesting yeah well, will yeah. just, just yeah. like the rate of production
1: <laughs> yeah no the frequency like, is absolutely insane could you imagine like okay 2011 I'm seeing one two three four five things he was in like the amount of work and it's usually like at least two movies a year sometimes like three or like you know yeah. crazier where it's five like just you're working yourself to death it's insane
0: yeah, that's a lot well, of stuff i mean if he if he loves it that's awesome oh, right if, you if know he
1: needs to do it too.
0: well and there's that too well that's that's a question right like is yeah. he i mean if he just loves what he does then you know more power to him but yeah. if it's more out of necessity then you know i guess you got to feed the beast but uh <laughs> so okay so so to recap then astro boy spider verse Sorcerer, sorcerers apprentice those those are like your your favorite Nicolas Cage movies
1: um, Yeah I think I'd stick to that and I mean of course you know the National Treasure movies I think that's where I, I was first well I was wondering
0: one, if you would seen right? those I actually rewatched uh, at least the first one I think both of them a few months ago and uh you know those those are a lot of fun they're they're definitely yeah. you know I mean you, you know you kind of want to Movies like that, I always want to, like, compare them to Indiana Jones and all that kind of thing just because of, like, the exploring antiquities and all that kind of thing. But, you know, if it, it is what it is, and it's a lot of fun. And I, I enjoyed rewatching them, basically, is what it would come down yeah. to.
1: Um, no, and I, and I love but, those uh, kind of stories. That's why I liked Uncharted when it came out. And, you know, I, I, I find those adventure stories very, very fun. And, I mean, nice. also just the meme worthiness of it. I think I hear on a pretty regular basis um that uh, we need to steal the declaration of independence you know just like <laughs> that's right reference that's to right that, that's know? right
0: I, now which which reminds me does sean bean die in that movie is this another one of his deaths or is that one of the few movies where sean bean lives <laughs> at, the, at the risk <laughs> at the risk of revealing a spoiler
1: i don't know i'm trying to
0: remember i haven't yeah. seen these
1: movies in a long time this is just like my introduction
0: Gotcha, gotcha. As okay, a, Mark. So, I, so, so, Mark, I am. I'm really curious to know if your favorite Nicolas Cage movies overlap with mine because I suspect that they do. I bet you there's at least one. And, and that was
1: another uh, thing I felt great and, about. I'm like, I know I'm not going to pick ones that you guys
0: think. Yeah, um, I, I think I know. So, what, so, Mark, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll give you. I'll let you go first kay. so that you can claim ownership, and and <laughs> I'll I'll scramble to find something worth saying afterwards. Okay. <laughs>
2: I, by the way I like National Treasure a lot um, that was a lot of fun it reminded me of actually reading uh, the first time the Da Vinci Code and it's like the Da Vinci Code movie too but it's like those sort of mystery kind of yeah. racing from one thing to the next everything's a clue that like somehow he can figure out that just seems like he's pulling it Like you don't know how he can figure it out but he does and it was it was fun it was like the Da Vinci Code American style or something Um Yeah, I like that Mm -hmm. one a lot. Um, One that I like, and it's kind of a more, because he does so many kind of over-the-top, kind of funny, bizarre performances. This is more, I would just say, mainstream, is World Trade Center. And people, and you don't even think of it really as a Cage movie, I loved it when it came out. It it was, I think it came out the same year as United 93. Maybe not, but it was, you know.
0: And it was Oliver Stone, Right, wasn't it?
2: right. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. It was kind of yeah. in another way. Yeah, in another way. It was like Oliver Stone's most normal. It was a, it was
0: a very non-Oliver Stone-like right, movie.
2: non-controversial movie. I mean, you hear that Oliver Stone's going to make right. a movie about 9-11, and you assume it's going to be like that documentary, Loose Change, or something. Inside Job. Inside Job, <laughs> you know. W, the killer. He did make a movie called W about George w, w. Bush. Um, but anyway it was great it was really emotional and you know it's just it's a survival story of two guys trapped in the rubble Michael Pena and Nicholas Cage that are uh, (laughs) their police police officers and um, you know and it's just kind of a survival story there's not not a lot of tricks to it it's it's not a complicated plot but it was just very affecting and um, thought he did a great job in it and I don't think there he he wasn't overacting in it either from what I felt you know it it was a good performance um so that's one that's mm-hmm. and it's not it's not one that really ever comes up when you're talking about Nicolas cage but you know he's in it oh yeah um, yeah so another one that i really like as uh matchstick men i don't know oh if, yeah if that was on your list either yeah. um
0: well it wasn't on my list but since you brought it up it was a movie that i reviewed when you were my editor that was oh. that was one of the movies that I covered in in o three o four, and I remember wow. it specifically because it was one of the few good movies I reviewed that year, and so oh yeah yeah no I'll I'll always have a Utah State association with Matchstick Men with yeah. uh, with him and uh, oh my gosh what was what's the actress's name? She was uh, only Alison in a handful Loman. of movies, but she was so good. Allison Lohman, yeah. yeah, plays yeah. plays his kind of a estranged daughter the you know the she's kind of a con artist and all this but yeah oh yeah no go go ahead keep keep I talking i
2: i like it Mexico. i i think it's a great um has a great twist in it and he has these little uh tics he has like uh Tourette's and OCD and so obviously he gets to do all the Nick Cage stuff to portray how he's going to portray these you know mental illnesses and stuff um but he, yeah there's it's about mm-hmm. con men and, and and it's probably not too big of a shocker you know that there's a twist cuz almost always good con men or caper or heist movies have a twist where somebody is not maybe not who <laughs> you think they are right uh, but this one really got me like I, I didn't i didn't see it coming you know and that's the problem sometimes too with, with i think telling somebody that there's a twist without telling them what it is then you watch for it you know so
0: like i was going to say you start trying to figure out what right, it is right right and I didn't even yeah. know that
2: when I saw it. So luckily I went into it cold and and didn't know and I just and it was great and it was a Ridley Scott movie, not the kind of movie he normally does either.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: You know, so it's funny and uh, uh yeah, that's that's one of the ones that's that's on my list for Nicolas Cage and um
1: This and one's because, on my to watch list actually. Um because uh, I I watched the uh, production notes on this movie in one of my classes and It it was a movie that like a lot of care went into. Uh, I mean, with Ridley Scott, of course, but Mm -hmm. um, just very fascinating how they like selected everyone who was in it. And um, this was one of those uh, moments when it was like, oh, we have to have Nick Cage for this, and yeah, no, I'm 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 glad we
0: brought it up. Yeah, because well, that's I think that's a perfect example. I mean, I think that there are a handful of movies that are kind of the obvious, oh yeah, we associate Nicolas Cage with this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Matchstick is one of those movies that's it's very good, but I don't think you would normally think of it as one of his a go-to Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. And so, so mm-hmm. here we are doing a great service for our listeners <laughs> by giving them something that they likely have not seen. So, yeah. uh Good on you, Mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else you got?
2: Another you one, got? And, and I'm again, I'm not dipping into the, the 80s movies because I have a feeling that there's at least one of two that you're going to pick, but this is a 90s oh, movie. Oh, am I
0: that predictable? Well, I, I know. Okay. I think we
2: may have talked about this before, but this is a 90s movie, and I remember seeing it in the theater with a bunch of friends when we were graduating from high school. It was We went to a bunch of movies in a short, like a three or four month period. We went to a bunch of movies, and I remember almost all of them just because it was like I don't know. It, it was just a. It was just a really fun summer, and this was the rock. Um, this is a. This is like peak Michael Bay. I would say, um, just ridiculous plot and crazy. Uh, he has such a funny character. Like you know, there's characters yeah. in the movie that swear, and it's a rated R movie, and he like he deliberately goes out of his way not to swear. Like he's he's a funny guy who does not swear, and so he uses all the like euphemisms for swear words, and um, it's got Sean Connery, and um. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, that's that's a good one, and the the rock refers to the to Alcatraz uh, in San Francisco, and that's where a lot of it takes place.
0: Yeah. Um, not the not the not the wrestler turned actor, right? It's, it's not about right. it's not about Dwayne Johnson, right? Or or the guy who just got slapped He's, to the Oscar. Nicholas 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 Cage played yes. Dwayne Johnson in the biopic, <laughs> yeah, and and looked great. right? Right. Be
1: careful, you are giving him ideas. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would I would love to see Nicholas Cage play Dwayne Johnson. Mm. Mm. Now there is there is somebody else that we could we could do an episode about him sometime. Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, no the the rock, the rock was a good one. That uh mm-hmm. gosh, and, well, and see, because what was fun about that one? I always, I was here, like that one always comes up with like the whole idea of the like the fan conspiracy theories, which was that the Sean Connery character, the the Sean Connery character, was actually supposed to be James Bond, and that like he had been taken into custody years earlier and. You know, hold up on Alcatraz for thirty or forty years, mm. and and then Nicolas Cage busts him out in order to do this, you know, or whatever it was, and uh, yeah, I, I love I love that. That's a, that was a thrill.
2: oh that's that funny. Awesome. Yeah, so those are kind of my three yeah. main picks. I have a couple oddball picks, but they're they're not as well known yeah. movies. One is called Adaptation. Um, that's it's, mm. it's a it's where he gets to play himself as twin. He had a twin brother. And one of them is a screenwriter yes. struggling to adapt uh, a, a movie, and um, it's it's uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman, I think, is is the screenwriter. Yeah, right. Um, and I think if I can, I'm trying to remember if he did being John Malkovich, but it might have been uh-huh. Spike Jones. But it's a being John Malkovich like story. It's just layered and weird and meta. And yeah, they're very right. Suddenly. I think he does he does an awesome job in it.
0: Um well and cuz I was going to say cuz cuz adaptation was one of the ones I was thinking about as as one of my favorites but the way I would distinguish it is that I have what I would call my favorite Nicolas Cage movies and then there are movies where I specifically love his performance and I, I there are movies that I think about him in terms of oh this is when he's really acting mm-hmm. well and adaptation isn't necessarily my favorite Nicolas Cage movie yeah. but I think it's one of my favorite Nicolas Cage performances like I think right. he really does an mm-hmm. awesome job Yeah, you know with, with that material
2: yeah it, w- what it really is about and this is why it, I, I say it's meta it's, it's about this guy who's trying to adapt a book that's by Susan Orleans called The Orchid Thief And this was actually one of the books that was on the list, Mike Sweeney's list at Utah State of nonfiction books he recommended to do the book report for the class. Uh And um, he, but like he has writer's block. And he has all these kind of neuroses and all these problems and things that happen that keep him from being able to adapt it. And then elements of the book that would like supposedly be fictional elements from, uh, well, I guess nonfiction elements from the book, but like things happen to him in real life that are, drawn from characters Mm -hmm. from the book that just get just crazy out of control. Um, Yeah. Just, just really weird things. He even has like a relationship with the the author of the book, like in this movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of different.
0: Well, the best, I mean, the best part of it for me, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of things I like, but I think, I think one of my favorite parts is that his twin brother is not a screenwriter, but just decides spontaneously to take it up (laughs) And has like this tremendous bout of beginner's luck because he's just writing schlock. Yeah, and so he so his so his talentless twin brother suddenly becomes successful, where like the the main protagonist, Nicolas Cage, character is just, you know, so so far up the river and and with writer's block and can't wrap his head around what he's doing. That's just a you know, it's it's a it's a great portrait of the the challenges and frustrations of like the creative act, you mm-hmm. know I mean? and, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yep. So that was, that's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you have another quirky just, one you mentioned? Just
2: pig. I don't know if I mentioned that one. That's oh, the recent sure. one that I saw that is so, yeah. kind of a lot more serious, meditative. Um, definitely not an overstated Nicholas Cage performance. It's interior. Right. And right. He, he's kind of a hermit living in the woods. He's got a truffle pig. He was a fame uh, I guess, regionally famous chef there. Um, But he's now kind of a reclusive guy and his pig gets pig-napped. And then it goes from there. (laughs) Um, and and people have talked about it. They thought it would be like I, I so heard is this
1: it, like a John Wick thing. Yeah, and... I, I was
2: exactly to say, like, say that. <laughs> I, I heard people joke, "Oh, this is." It's
0: a much it's a much more serious, yeah, it's much not... less bloody right. version right. of John. Yeah, Wick. I
2: heard people say, "Oh, John Wick was a pig." That's what this is, and it's it's really not. It's not even close to like as violent, <laughs> for example. And um yeah, it's it's pr- quite good, and it's got some kind of dr- unexpected dramatic elements that I liked and. Um, kind of an unexpected, you know, kind of ending, and so I liked it. Um, not, not really a crowd pleaser, especially not in the way that John Wick, no. John Wick oh, is. oh no. Um, but yeah, right, I, right. I, that was a, another. Just you know.
0: No, I. It's it's funny. The more I the more I think about this. Yeah, no. The the more I think about this, I I remember growing up, and you know, and certain in, into adulthood as well. My my parents would always kind of laugh. About Michael Caine, um, because they would always just kind of chuckle at how Michael Caine could star in some of the best movies you've ever seen, like just some does some really incredible roles and some really incredible work. Mm-hmm. But then he could simultaneously star in just garbage, you know, just like these <laughs> these absolute trash movies. And you know, the ones that springs to mind is that uh, was it the Jaws four. You know, the one where like the shark is like tracking the family across, you know, from the eastern seaboard to the Gulf of Mexico and just like just a really bad one. And, and, and it occurs to me that Nicolas Cage has some of that same dynamic where he is in some of the greatest movies and is capable of some of the absolute greatest performances, but then also has this way of turning up in some stuff that is just like how on earth you know, did you wind up doing this, you know? <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier, I think Con Air kind of like splits it right down the middle because Con Air is definitely not one of these kind of just shows up on a streaming service and hadn't even considered. I mean, it was very much kind of like a big kind of over the top blockbuster. I, I thought that that was a Michael Bay movie for a while. And when I was watching oh. it tonight, I saw that, uh, Simon West, I guess, is the director. Even though it feels very much like a Michael Bay movie, mm. uh, this this is the one about like, you know, uh, Nicholas Cage is like he's just about to finish his. He's he's on parole, and he's flying home on this uh, this airplane full of convicts who are being just being transferred, and they hijack the plane, and so he has to like save the day and he's got like this incredible wig and long hair and (laughs) wearing a white tank it's just it's just so over the top and it's a very very signature late 90s big dumb action flick um but what i found fascinating because like i said i looked up the director this is is a little roundabout, but bear with me here so simon west i'm thinking who the heck is simon west what else has he done so i get into his imdb page and i see a couple of like vaguely familiar movies But then I go down to the beginning and I find out Simon West directed the Rick Astley video that is like the Rickroll thing from a few years ago. Like the Never Gonna Give You Up. Simon (laughs) West directed that music video back in the mid 80s. And I just thought that was the coolest thing to find out that (laughs) the guy who directed Con Air also basically gave us the Rickroll. And and so anyway... But uh, but back back to Mr. Cage, um, because Con Air is definitely far from my favorite Nicolas Cage movie, and uh, uh, you know Mark, you already mentioned adaptation, which like I say, I think when I'm thinking about just really impressive performances, it's hard to think of one that that at least for me was was more kind of resonant and and impressive and interesting. Um, but my heart is always, just as you predicted, going to go back to the (laughs) eighties to some of the movies that he did very first. And, uh, and so Moonstruck is, I think I've mentioned Moonstruck before, haven't I? Have Uh, I I talked about it on the podcast? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You Um, talked about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because his, his role in that movie opposite Mm share is so fun and so good and, you know, so there's just really quickly like Cher is kind of approaching early middle age and she's single and she gets engaged to Danny Aiello, who she doesn't really love, but kind of feels like this is her last chance because I think her first husband had died. And, and Danny Aiello asks her to go and invite his brother to the wedding because the two of them are estranged and he wants to make peace. And Nicolas Cage plays the brother and. Cher and Nicolas Cage fall in love and it's this kind of crazy but but it's it's really kind of it's not I mean it's it's played as a movie in reality but there's a very kind of romanticized mythic New York kind of almost a Woody Allen type of thing where it's like this place is just you you absolutely would love to live in I think I think it's set in Brooklyn I think but anyway um for anybody who has not seen Moonstruck, you've got to see Moonstruck. It is it is so good. And, and Nicolas Cage is, you know, because he has his over-the-top moments, but they're put in such a good context that they don't, they they fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the kind of thing that's like, oh my gosh, Nicolas Cage is being Nicolas Cage, but it's like, no, this is, there's such a fun vibe to this that, that, uh, you know, his madness fits the madness of the movie. But, um, and so, so that one, I will always, I will always adore. Um, but Raising Arizona, I might love even more than that, which is, which is crazy. Um, I, Mark, I know, you know, this one, Danny, have you seen Raising Arizona?
1: I have not, but I know of it.
0: Yeah. So, so this, this was the first Coen brothers movie I ever saw. I know it's not their first movie because I think they did Blood Simple first.
2: Yeah, they did that in '85. Um, but but Blood raising,
0: yeah, yeah, right. So so raising Arizona I think was like '87, a couple years later. It's it's this wacky slapstick over the top comedy, and and Nicolas Cage plays this failed bank robber who well not a, not even a bank robber he like he's always holding up convenience stores and <laughs> and you know the beginning of the movie is, is him like in and out of jail repeatedly over you know a couple of years time and then he falls in love with a deputy played by Holly Hunter <laughs> and they wind up getting married and moving into this trailer in the middle of the Arizona desert and they 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 want to have like a good, pure law-abiding life, but they can't have kids and so they decide and this this sounds horrible when I when you just say it. But in the context of the movie, it it's not nearly as horrifying. But there is a famous family in the neighborhood that has five kids, five little boys, and and so they rationalize that oh well, we're just going to kidnap one of these kids because they still have four other ones, so they're totally covered. They won't even miss him, and then we're just going to raise this kid as our own. And in the meantime, a couple of his of a couple of his old. Uh, cellmates, you know, kind of fellow prisoners, they, they bust out of jail and John Goodman is one of them. And, and it's just this, like from the description of the plot, it has to be crazy to, to work and to, to, you know, to actually come off. And, and it's funny because it's most definitely Nicolas Cage, but I've never seen him look like that before or since like his, (laughs) there's just something really kind of unique about his look. And, uh, it's still, you know, for all of the movies from the Coen brothers that I have loved over the years, Raising Arizona is still my favorite. It's still my favorite. And, and, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pick against that one for my favorite Nicolas Cage movie either. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. no, No, it's a,
2: yeah, those movies where he's kind of at the shallow end of the gene pool. Like Moonstruck and Raising Arizona, he he's pretty funny <laughs> of that. You know, he does. He has kind of this skinny hangdog look to him, and um, yeah, he doesn't look like that in a lot of his movies. And and he kind of had the long longer hair and the mustache. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe.
0: Well, yes. and around the same time, around the same time, he also did. Uh, Peggy Sue got married. Okay. And, and I think of, cause there's, there's this group of movies that I remember seeing him in when, you know, and they, and they weren't his first, like, I want to say his first role might've been in fast times at Ridgemont high. I think he has this really small supporting role. Um, but these were kind of some of his first kind of big movies and, and more substantial performances. And, and there's, there's definitely a kind of a common thread, like, you know, even though he's playing different characters and different styles, there's his, his thing is definitely there. And, uh, it's, uh, set the stage for great things to come. Now I, I have never seen, I'm trying to remember if he got nominated or won. I've never seen leaving Las Vegas. I know that that was a big one. For he him. won. I,
2: I haven't seen that. Did either. he win for that one? He won best actor. Yeah. Um, that was a, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of a a, a drama about an alcoholic in La- in Las Vegas. I don't really know much
0: about it. Right, what I've right.
2: Read sometimes.
0: No, I've just I've heard that it's terribly depressing. Yeah, me you too. know that it's it's because he and Elizabeth Shue are like on the outs in their li- their respective lives, and they just kind of wind up. You know, destiny just kind of drops them together to commiserate, and and so they're. It's just like this powerful, heavy, heavy drama, but. You know, not not the kind of thing you just throw on on a Saturday night to with with a bunch of friends. You know,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, interesting. I, 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 I don't depending on
0: that. what kind of friends you run with, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really quick. I there. There's another one that's a, a, a kind of an interesting sci-fi movie he did called Knowing. Um, I remember <laughs> seeing that. It's on
0: Hulu right now.
2: Is it okay? It's it's, yeah. it's a fun kind of weird watch and I saw it in the theater with Holly when we were dating. So I remember that cuz that was it came out in 2009 and we both really liked it. And it's it's not a movie that ever kind of gained any kind of following. I don't even think it did did too well, but it's it's you know not that implausible. I mean, you kind of have to just Was
0: that the one that's about the rapture?
2: Mm, no. No, I don't think so um it's it is about it's it's an apocalyptic it's got an apocalyptic vibe to it it's not really a rapture, um, but and anyway yeah it's it's one i don't know it if you get into it you might end up kind of liking it um but yeah uh i don't want to spoil it too much um it's just a movie full of like coincidences and codes and <laughs> just strange occurrences and he's kind of just figuring it all out. Sort of like he does with national treasure, (laughs) but that's not really a sci-fi. But yeah. Gotcha. But as far as you're you're saying, is there a bad, like what's his worst movie?
0: Yeah. Like, is there, is there a, you know, because this is, this is clearly somebody who has a, a, a very wide range in terms of the quality of the movies that he's been in. And so, you know, we can pick out our, our favorites, but is there, Is there a, I can't believe I watched this, wasted my time. (laughs) What on earth is Nicolas Cage doing in this? You know, anything that jumps out? I'm not, I'm, I, to be fair, I have not prepared this either. I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. No, it's,
1: it's a great question because I feel like, unfortunately, he's lost a lot of credibility in recent years because he's just been in so much like he hasn't been selective. Mm -hmm. So while he has proven himself... You know, like, I, I, I'm just thinking, like, The Wicker Man, right, is probably.
0: The well, because that's, like, yeah.
1: Bad performance, right? Or, like, just right. ridiculous movie. Which um, I
0: haven't seen because exactly. it has such a bad reputation. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, like, I haven't seen him in anything I haven't liked, but, like, I feel like that's just a common knowledge sort of thing. Like, we all just think this way about him. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, because I, I haven't seen Ghost Rider or that you know, was there, another there were was a thinking, lot of, yeah, yeah kind of the, the, well, it seems like the 2000s in particular and maybe, you know, yeah. some of the last 10 years, there have been a lot of just, you know, not necessarily cheap straight to streaming video type things, but but some actually, you know, because Wicker Man and Ghost Rider were, you know, presented as pretty wide releases and... and you know not not blockbuster hopefuls but i don't uh, i don't think anybody was trying to sneak them out into the uh, the population either
2: <laughs> but yeah i don't know i think a lot of the movies that would be considered his his turkeys or bombs i just i haven't seen them either just avoided them cuz i'm like well i don't want to watch what's considered to be a bad movie you know um, yeah, exactly i i know there's some i definitely would like to see <laughs> Um, I, for example, I never saw bringing out the dead. So I'm not, I'm not a Martin Scorsese completist, but any, oh, yeah. um, but that's one that he did in 1999, uh, that I remember it was a big, you know, some critics were like, Ebert really liked it that year. Um,
0: now, have you, have you seen face off?
2: I have not. I need to. And actually I, I got, just Mark, saw Conair like last year. I was really late to the party <laughs> with Air. Uh, But I haven't seen Face-Off.
0: Face-Off's better than Con Air. Face-Off's way better than Con Air. Like, I have been hearing of the legend of Face-Off for years. And then (laughs) Mm -hmm. finally saw it about a year or two ago. And while I wouldn't say that, like, this movie changed my life, I I will say that it at least, like, 90% lives up to its reputation. It's bonkers. It is such (laughs) a weird, just ludicrous you know i mean the the basic premise is that john travolta is a cop and nicolas cage is some infamous bad guy and through a unbelievable string of events they wind up having a mutual surgery where they switch faces and so nicolas cage is basically doing a john travolta impression for 2 hours and John Travolta is doing a Nicolas Cage impression for two hours, <laughs> and it's just as as awesome as it sounds. That's oh so gosh. interesting.
1: Because, like, I'll say one actor who I probably have never been impressed with in any movie that I've seen him in is John Travolta. Like, I don't know. That's well, because just... you
0: haven't seen Saturday Night Fever, obviously. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> but like, you know, I just I think that's such an interesting combo, an interesting face off, right? Like. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh no,
0: it's uh it was I mean that it, in a lot of ways it it seems like that was a movie that could only come out at that time. Like I I don't I don't know. <laughs> because what what I find so crazy about it is that we watch it now and it's so over the top and campy and ridiculous. mm mm-hmm. Mhm but what makes it so bizarre is that it's being played straight. And you know, that at the time it was presented in utter seriousness, like this is supposed to be cool. And, and, you know, there's, there's just kind of a lot of kind of cliched, very, you know, over stylized stuff as well that, you know, within five years you were rolling your eyes at, but especially now, but uh, yeah, no, if, 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 you appreciate the more campy over the top Nicolas Cage stuff then then Face Off is a is a must see I
2: I plan to see that In fact it's funny you mentioned that because I tried to look for it the other day on streaming I thought it might be on one of the streaming services for free and then it kept showing that there was one but it was some TV series called Face Off on like Peacock oh. or something
0: like that so yeah so okay. I haven't seen it yeah. Well, you know, it's not such a bad thing. It just means we have wonderful things waiting for us. <laughs> your life is about to become that much that much more enriched. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Utah Film Pod. Thank you so much for listening and uh, spending quality time reminiscing, hopefully on your end, of some of your favorite Nicolas Cage favorites. If we missed some and left some out that you'd like to share, then, you know, drop us a line, send us a message. And, Subscribe and come on back and uh, see you next time.